to do something today that I never do. Uh, I really try hard not to do. And if I ever do it, I always, I always change it as much as I can. But today I want to re-preach a sermon, the notes that I used before. I want to re-preach it again. And this is why. Um, 26 years ago this month, uh, I came with my family that were, what, three and not yet one. And my wife, who was three and not yet one. And... Uh, 29 years old, and we preached a message that we called our, our tryout message. It was, come here, let us hear your heart. And this was the heart that we spoke about all those years ago. And I, as I was looking back through over, you know, old journals and old notes, I came across this and thought, you know what's neat? It's 26 years later, I can still preach the same message and mean every word of it. This has been the heart of this church since day one, long before we came to Fenton, the Burks and their kids and that congregation, the the Bev Wheatleys and the Jesse and Phyllis Moutres and the, oh, you know, Bob and Deb Melitzers and Jeff and Kim Waltzes were here long before we were here. Jeff Waltz was actually created on this planet about the same time Dirt was. And uh, Pete Godfrey, you know, and just, it's such a neat thing to come back and say, it wasn't a dream we talked about, it's a reality we've been living for two and a half decades. And I believe that this reality needs to not kind of go by the wayside, but because of its truth, it needs to be brought to the forefront once again. So this morning, I want to preach to you a message entitled, How to Be Used by God. And I'll try really hard not to cry. <laughs> Moses has no idea who he is. In Exodus chapter 4, late in chapter 3, he sees himself as something completely different than what God created him to be. He sees himself as a failure. He sees himself as a murderer, as a runaway. He sees himself as somebody that doesn't know who his daddy was, is confused about his identity. Am I Egyptian? Am I Hebrew? Am I a Midianite now? Because I've been living amongst the Midianites. Am I a shepherd? Am I a king? Am I a prophet? Am I something I've done? Am I something I'm going to be? And one day he's out tending a sheep and he sees an odd sight. He sees a bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. He walks over to it and it's, it's one of the first, what, what theologians call a theophany a manifestation of the living God in person, like right there. And out of the, that burning bush, a voice speaks to him and begins to tell him who he is. And I think much like Moses did, it's not uncommon for all mankind to have the same conversation with God. God says, I see you as something great. I see you as something that's powerful. I see you as someone with a destiny and a purpose. And Moses begins to argue with him. And he says, well, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Like, it's Pharaoh and some Midianite murdering runaway shepherd. Like, I, I don't even belong in the same room with that guy. And God talks about, I'm not sending you alone. Like, I'll be in the room with you. So it isn't you, you know, compared to Pharaoh. It's me and you compared to Pharaoh. He goes on and says, but what if they, what if they ask me a question? What if they say, you know, what's his name? Like, what if, I ever been there before? Like, I'm going to share my faith, but what if they ask me a question and I can't answer it? Like, until I know all the answers, I won't be obedient to what God's called me to do. And God answers that. And then he comes to the third question. He goes, well, but he, he does the, what if they think I'm crazy defense? How many of you guys know that one? And it sounds something like this. He said, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say, the Lord didn't appear to you, you nut? And then the Lord is going to change from the words he's been speaking. He's going to add something to just words. He's going to take something very simple, and he's going to do something extraordinarily profound with it. He's going to paint a picture for Moses. And he says to Moses, what is that in your hand? I can just see Moses looking at his left hand going, dirt? Because what was in his left hand was no more special than what was in his right hand. But he answers the question. He goes, it's a staff. Well, how many of you guys know the difference between a staff and a stick? 
a staff is a stick that somebody picked up. It, it's, <laughs> it's probably scarred. It's been cut at either end. It's something that has really no value because, you know, there's always another tree with another branch with another stick. Its purpose is to kind of tell the sheep, hey, move over, you know, to lean against so you look like you're in management. You know, but it, it isn't, there's nothing special about it. And he goes, it's the staff. And then the Lord said, throw it on the ground, Moses. And Moses throws it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. I guys know Mo's not having a good day. I'm talking to a burning bush. My shoes are off. My staff is a snake. I, I just want to live a normal Christian life, right? But what's the lesson? What, what's happening is simply this. The lesson of the stick, the lesson of what God uses is really simple. He says, Moses, I don't care how many scars it's got. I don't care how common it is. I don't care how dirty it is. I don't care what it's been touching. I don't care what you leaned against it into. What you need to understand is this, that anything you lay before me, I can do anything I want with because I'm God. The lesson of the stick. You guys ready? The lesson of the stick is this. The most common person when laid before God will do miracles. And, and it's, it's funny. I, I can almost hear it because I've been doing this long enough. We're going to start 30 house churches. And somebody goes, well, I, see, I, hope, I hope the Sivirs heard that because they'd be good at that. Gee, I, you know, I, I hope the entire row of, you know, the, the, the withers, because, you know, they're, they're all ordained ministers in that family anyway, you know. They're, they've, they've got children's ministry nailed for sure, if nothing else. But how many of us know that, that if you said today, I can do that, you might be called to it. But if you said, I can't do that, you're probably wrong. And it wouldn't be uncommon to be called to do something that you say, I can't. <laughs> what if they ask me, but what, who am I to? This is what people do when God tells them who they are. We're going to go to Rome, and we're going to preach the gospel in the same city that Peter and Paul preached the gospel in and were executed for. We're going to preach to refugees from northern Africa. We're going to, we're going to talk to girls that have been trafficked in the sex slave trade and help them find out who they are in Jesus, not in the arms of some paying customer. So I, I don't know. I've never done I don't know how to. I get it. But the lesson of the stick still stands. God will use anything we lay before him marriages and serving kids and I, you know, I can't take my marriage for marriage mentoring what, that, what does that say about my marriage it says you're a good husband <laughs> you know it says you're a good wife well, I, I, you know, I can't be a marriage mentor we have our problems do you think every marriage mentor in this ministry has no problems let's just look at Court and Carrier for a second and see you know what I mean like of course, of course but that's, that's almost the joy of it is when iron begins to sharpen iron we begin to share our stories hear me if you think that you're disqualified or you can't or you're too this or you're not enough that, remember this, guys, that for 26 years, we've seen only one miracle worker around here. His name's Jesus. But we've seen him use a lot of sticks to do miracles. And I believe that what God has done is wonderful. But what God is doing and what God wants to do is always greater. God does the, the latter rain ripens the harvest, the, the last of it, the, the, the conclusion. God, God doesn't move into kind of decrescendos and fade out. God always builds things to a triple forte, and then the end comes. God is not done. There is more. Somebody say amen, right? So what else do we need? We got the lesson of the stick. Let's move on to another deep biblical principle I call the lesson of a half a jar of Crisco. Are you ready? 2 Kings chapter 4, the wife of a man... And he's from the company of the prophets, cried out to Elijah, kind of the presiding prophet of the day. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two sons, my two boys, as his slaves. 
that, that's a heartbreaking sentence. There's a man who's faithful to God, who's being used, anointed by God to prophesy to Israel. He's a good man, but for whatever reason, we don't know what, but he suddenly is gone. And because he owed money, all the hope of that repayment has gone with him. When, when the breadwinner dies, everybody comes from wherever bread is left. And what she has left is not a home, or they'd have come and taken it. It's not a pair of oxen. It's not some, you know, plow. It's not some inheritance, not gold and jewels. She has nothing but those two kids and their children. The Bible calls them boys. Not yet at the age of responsibility, 10, 11, 12 years old. And they're coming to take my sons as slaves. Help me. And because Elijah knows the lesson of the stick, he asks a pertinent question. How, how can I help you? <laughs> like, I, I don't have this bag of cash. Let me call the treasurer. Here's enough money to live on for the rest of your life. It doesn't work that way. Not, not in his world. It's a world of faith. And so he asks her the simple question, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What is in, what is in your hand? What is in your possession? She goes, I don't have anything. And, and I, I don't know if there's a pause. I kind of picture like a pause, like, no, come on, you've got to have something. She goes, okay. I've got half a jar of Crisco, not enough to make a decent chicken breast, you know, Southern style. I, I, I mean, I don't even have like flour to mix with the oil to make a cake. Like I've got nothing. And you can see where she's saying it's nothing. How many guys know that in the hands of God, a stick can become something great. Something simple can become something great. Elijah says this. He says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Dream big. Get everything you can. Then go inside. Shut the door behind you and your sons and start pouring oil. That half a jar of Crisco until every jar that you have is filled and then put it to one side. Isn't that beautiful? And so God does this. God takes this half a jar of Crisco and somehow all these empty vessels are filled out of this one half a jar of Crisco. It just pours and pours and pours. You say, how is that possible? It's not. It's a miracle. And we get from this miracle the understanding that, that God uses common things like stick, but he also uses small things like a half a jar of Crisco. And the lesson is this. Your little is much in the hands of God. Your little is so much in the hands of God. Your, your little ability to speak, your little ability to pray, your little ability to give, your little ability to serve. When you put your little in the hands of an infinite God, he does something amazing. I, let's take a, a lesson in our history for a second. Do you guys know that if we'd have waited until we could have afforded it, we'd still be waiting? I don't know what we're talking about. I'm just saying we'd still be waiting. If we'd have waited until we had the right people in the right place that had the right knowledge, we'd still be waiting. We have been pouring the little we have into the vessels that are empty, and God continues to multiply. And the same is true for today. I don't think God's done with that miracle. I don't think God's done with this miracle. I think the greatest days of this miracle are in front of us. The same is true for today, man. And so the question is this. Will we take who we are and put it before the Lord? Will we take the little we have, whatever that is, and begin to pour it out? And the third lesson, the lesson of the oil, the lesson of the stick, and the lesson of the donkey, Luke chapter 19. I relate to this character in Scripture. Honestly, seems silly, but in a really basic level, I relate more to this donkey than any other character in Scripture. It says this, Go to the village ahead of you and find as you enter it, uh, I, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. I mean, rookie, rookie, rookie. Like, hadn't even picked up a football yet, not even drafted, didn't play college ball, rookie, right? Untie it, bring it here. And Jesus says, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Can you imagine a donkey colt that's never been away from his mama, that's never been untied from its place, that's never been ridden before, and now bears the weight of a man, Jesus Christ. 
And as he walks through the streets, that's the donkey that was used in the triumphal entry. So you've got people waving palm branches. Well, that's a lot of fun. You have people shouting, Hosanna, which is like, a, like it means save us, save us, save us. They're saying this to Jesus. They're laying cloaks in the street. He's walking on stuff. They're waving. People are shouting. And if that wasn't enough, then the Pharisees show up and want to have a theological debate. Master, these, they're, they're crying out like you're some sort of a savior. Like, like, stop them. This is wrong. And he goes, listen, if I stop them, even the rocks will crowd. So people are shouting, and Jesus is shouting back, and people are screaming and waving stuff, and the donkeys are. And I, and I get this because I was once to a young jackass trying to bridge Jesus up. Right? You know what I mean? Just, just, just. I don't know what I'm doing. And I've seen through the years, so many of us, we don't know what we're doing. But we know that the Lord needs us. We know that the Lord needs us. I don't know why he needs us. It's, a, it's an honor. How many guys know that donkey is not like, hey, I must be really good at this. All these people shouting. The donkey's just kind of like, please get me through this. Please get me through this. Please get me through this. I don't know if donkeys sweat, but if they do, there are pit stains on this donkey. Four pit stains. Because he's never done this before. And he realizes that his job is very simple. My job is simply just not to panic and run. My job is to trust that the one who's driving this thing knows what he's doing. My job is to lift him just high enough so that everybody can see who he really is. That's our job. Let's put it all together. You ready? The lesson of the stick, and that is this. The most common person when laid before God will do miracles. Yes? We've seen it, and we're going to see it. The lesson of the oil. Your little is much in the hands of God. And the lesson of the cult, your job is to lift Jesus high enough for people to see him and be saved. That was my message 26 years ago. It took a lot longer back then. The services were an hour and 45 minutes long. But that's the lesson. 26 years ago, I preached that message. And we've lived the principles of that. We've empowered people that have never been ridden before. We've watched oil come out of jars that were half empty or even broken. We've watched sticks laid before the Lord that God animated and gave life to. And every person on the leadership team, I don't know, I guess we've been on the leadership team for decades. Babe, come on up here, will you? But it, it, it still feels like I'm the donkey colt. Anybody else still get that? When it comes to things that are important, like our marriage, I'm still a donkey colt. I'm still needing to not panic. I'm still needing him to, to help me through the hard times. I'm still needing, I need to trust him. I'm still a stick laying my life before the Lord. That, that equation has not changed. As we look towards 2021, I want my wife to share a little bit about what happened in 2020. And then we're going to announce to you the totals, right, of 2020 and the goal of 2021. And I'm going to say this um, just before she, she speaks. Listen, you are not in the middle of a fundraising service. Do you get that? This is not to raise funds. This is to cast vision and raise faith. Amazing. Wherever God guides, he provides. We just want to share with you what God's put on our heart, where we're going, what we're doing. And let me say this too, that that project guide you're going to get on the way out today, we listed four things. Kind of think of it like a, a menu at Mega Coney Island. There's not a picture of everything, just a few things. We've shown you a picture of a few things, but there are, are 50 projects that are all impossible, that all require oil that we don't have, that all require miracles and all we have is sticks, that all require us not to panic and to bolt but to just trust that the one who says he needs us really does. Would you welcome my wife as she shares a couple of great things with you? So I get the honor of letting you guys know what our grand total was for Kingdom Builders in 2020 in a year where we had a pandemic, where we had all kinds of things come against us. And um, we just, 
I can tell you guys, last year on Vision Sunday, I was like, oh, we're going to do it. And then COVID hit, and I was like, we ain't going to do it. And um, God is so faithful um, that the total, you guys, that we raised in Kingdom Builders in 2020, are you guys ready for this? $615,763.55. That did so much good, you guys. We did. Um, the church in Rome that you guys saw last year, Pastor Rick and Pastor Jennifer had a vision for one million people to hear the gospel. Do you guys want to know what the, how many heard the gospel? 2.5 million heard the gospel from that church last year. Guys, we fed a million meals to kids in Haiti, which is incredible. We were the first ever church to be partnered with Mott Foundation to feed medical first responders. We did some pretty incredible things, and I am so excited for what we have in 2021. But before we do that real quick, I want to introduce you guys to some pretty spectacular people, I think. Um, first of all, I'm going to cry. Surprise, surprise, right? Um, you guys are just all so incredible. I could tell stories of every one of you up here, but these are just the ones God laid on my heart today. Um, the very first one is Vicki Yinger. If you guys know her, if you don't know her, this woman has a heart bigger than she is, and she's a little thing, but her heart is so huge. And she recently had to have surgery. But if you know Vicki, she doesn't sit still. If her eyes are awake, she's moving and she's doing and she's blessing and she's just going, going, going. And she recently had to have surgery. And um, it's going to lay her up for a couple of weeks. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> Poor John. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do. She's going to be riding on his back, making him take her everywhere, you know. And um, this is a picture of her the day she got home from the hospital, pulling out her computer and looking what did I miss? What do I need to get caught up on? Because she knows there's more people out there that need ministry. Eco was partnering with You Can Survive to do cards for children in the cancer unit for Valentine's Day. And she thought she was going to miss it. But uh, Eco dropped off some supplies for her. And guys, these are the cards that she made from sitting in her bed that she wrote to children. It's pretty incredible that one person is partnering with ECO, that partnered with You Can Survive, and children are going to be ministered to because of that. So, Vicki, thank you. The next group I want you guys to meet are FCA students. This is a pretty incredible... This group is so close to my heart. Like, I just love them all. Um, that this is them at Christmas. They went out and they delivered the communion boxes to people. They took cookies and delivered them to people. They have done so much through all of this. They have taken boxes to truck drivers. They have stood at restaurants to pray with truck drivers. Anytime you have an encounter with one of them, they never let you go without asking, what can I pray with you for? Never. When I need prayer, they, I go to them. And you guys, because of that relationship, this week they get received a message from someone saying, 
you are here over Christmas. You asked if you could pray with us for anything. We need prayer for a 12-year-old who is in a rehab center. Could you pray for her? I'm like, what an honor it is that when a family needs prayer, they know who to reach out to. They know who to help them. So if you guys don't know FCA, if you don't know what it stands for and what it means, you need to know because there's more students that need to get involved in this ministry. There's more students that need the discipline of knowing how to pray and knowing when to pray and knowing words to speak. And you guys cannot go wrong that they are starting some very fun things like doing seasonal, they're doing year-long, they're doing creative, because none of this happens on a Sunday morning and broadcasted live stream without this academy. So you guys need to check them out because they are a very important part. The next group I, or people I want to introduce you guys to are Mike and Michelle Hamilton. This is a pretty... They've only been in our church for a couple of years. But when they came in, they're like, we need to get plugged in. And so what did they do? They got involved in a group. They're both in the medical field. They're very busy people, especially last year. I'm sure you guys can imagine. In the middle of the year, school's getting ready to start. They got a phone call. And it was um, somebody saying, I can't do it anymore. You've got to come. somebody calling about the granddaughter saying I can't do it anymore you gotta raise your granddaughter <laughs> everything stopped for them because if you guys aren't a grandparent yet you don't know when your grandkid needs something everything stops right they put everything on hold and they went and got their grandchild and they are now raising their grandchild because of that, God's given them a heart, and they are now starting a group for grandparents raising grandkids, because there's more out there than you guys can imagine that are raising their grandkids, and you know what? Their group is what has come alongside them. Their group is what has encouraged them. Their group is the one that has said, you can do this, and we're going to help, and we're going to make sure, because when COVID, when they got the phone call, I think they had less than a week to decide where she was going to school. Is that correct? I'm looking at them sitting over there. What are you going to do? You have to all of a sudden make these decisions that you weren't prepared for. And it's pretty cool that they had a group to lean on. And I'm so thankful for partnerships with groups and um, just the things that God's doing in them. The last person I want to introduce you guys to is little Adara Fetters. She actually has a video for Mark us to watch. 12, 40 through 41. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Which, as soon as I got that video Pastor JD sent me, I just started crying because I'm like, that's why we do Kingdom Builders. That's why we do Kingdom Builders, because you guys don't know. She was adopted by the Fetters. She was, um, I can't tell you guys her story, but if you knew her story, she should never be up there. She should not be doing the things that she's doing, but she is. Because Clara's Hope comes alongside families. They come alongside individuals and say, you can do this. 
you can do it. You don't think you can, but you can. And it is so encouraging to see videos like that because let me tell you guys, there's more kids out there like that that need help. There's more kids out there that could be right up there on that screen if they just had the family to come alongside them. So I am just excited that Kingdom Builders partners with Clara's Hope. They're an incredible ministry that helps foster and adoptive families. And if you don't know Clara's Hope, you need to get to know Clara's Hope. The directors right down here, Dave and Tammy Cromer, are a perfect example of saying, write us, Jesus. And they get down and they serve the least. They encourage the least. And I'm so thankful for partnerships like that. Why do I say all of these? Because there's more for each and every one of us. For everything that's up there, you guys. For every Vicky that's up there. There's people sitting at home right now thinking, I can't do anything because I'm homebound. You can. And there's more that needs to be done because there's always going to be children in the hospital that need cards of encouragement written to them. There's more that can be done with that. Do you guys realize right now there's over 425,000 kids in the foster care system? 425,000. 46% are in non-relative homes. 32% are in relative homes. 2.5 million grandparents are raising their grandchildren. Let that sink in, you guys. 2.5 million about 20% of those make less than 20,000 annually. It takes a toll on a family. But you would have it no other way. Rate of suicide has increased in uh, has increased 60% in kids ages 10 to 24 years of age recently. 10% of young girls have an eating disorder. Why am I saying all of this? Because next gen is one of our huge goals that we're going for this year. And you guys can see there is a huge need for it, right? There is a huge need that, because let me tell you, the Hamiltons couldn't do it without the next gen coming alongside them. The Fetters couldn't do it without them coming alongside. Clara's Hope partnering with the next gen, FCA with the next gen. So, yes, we do have a huge next gen team but it's because the need has increased all the more. And the one thing that I think about all of this when I look at all of those people and stuff, no one asked for this. The Hamiltons didn't ask to overnight be parents again. Adara definitely didn't ask to be born into a family where she was going to not be taken care of right? And it just reminds me of the message my husband preached last week. Are we responsible for all of this? No, we're not. But can we be responsible? Yeah, we can. And that's our part because it's time for this church to rise up and to be the body of Christ that we are called to be. We are no longer supposed to be sitting in here saying, I can't do something because there's something that each and every one of us can do. Just like you guys heard, there's a stick that we may need to lay down. We may have some oil that needs to be used. We can all be used by God. And this is the year that we invite you guys to partner with us. 
to do that. So when you guys leave today, you're going to be getting our project guides right here. And I just have to confess something because when I found this, I cried. I left Clara's Hope out of our project guide. I literally cried because if anybody knows me, I will fight you for Clara's Hope. I will fight you for Next Gen. I will fight you for FCA. The others are pretty much on their own. Why? Because they're all ministering to people who didn't ask for their situations. Right? I didn't ask to be molested as a child. But I'm so thankful for a team of adults that came alongside me and saw more in me than a child that had been molested. That they saw a woman that was one day going to stand on a platform proclaiming the gospel and telling you guys that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And then it's time that we get healed because there's a generation looking to us to lead them and to rise up and be the church that he has called us to be. So when you guys look in these project guides, the very last page, there's a message from my husband and I. And it has our commitment card in it. That can I rename it to calling this our responsible card? Because again, we're not responsible for things that happened, but we can be response-abled. And so next week, we invite you guys to come back. I encourage you guys, pray about this. Talk to your spouse about that. One of the big things in marriage ministries, couples don't talk. Great talking point. Get on the internet, look up statistics. Bet you can't do it without crying having God change your heart. So I'm going to pray for you guys real quick because I'm ready to rise up and to be the church that God's called us to be. And I know you guys are too, or you would not be sitting here this morning. So God, we just thank you this morning for who you are. God, I thank you for these people in this church. God, I could just sit and cry because each one of them has a story. And you have been so faithful because you're just so good to us. So, Father, I pray right now that you would do what only you can do. And we just give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. She's mine. You can't have her. I'll fight for her. How's that? In three minutes, you're going to be heading towards the exit doors. But I want to say one last thing. And then, and then after that, the very last thing. As I continue to close. I, I've been real hesitant to say this. Um, but I think it's okay to say it now. Uh, 2020, don't get mad at me. It was probably the best year of my life. And, and I've been hesitant to say that because I know there's so much suffering. There's so many problems. There's so many issues. There's so much anger and hurt and division. And for me to say, I had a great year, almost makes it sound like I wasn't a part of it. I had a great year because I was a part of it. I think if you look at it, what you're called to do, and, and I look at what I'm called to do, I think it's kind of like a forest ranger, like the forest is on fire, but that's why I signed up to be a forest ranger. As things burned down, it just left room to plant new things. And that's why I became a forest ranger. You can look at 2020 and say it's the hardest year of your life. It was in a lot of ways in my life, but it was also the greatest year because I made sense 
in 2020. And I want to say this to you as you look towards 2021, if you want to get neck deep in all the problems, have all the opinions, we've been talking about this for weeks now, then, then you do that and you'll have a lousy 2021 just like you had a lousy 2020. Or you can become a forest ranger and respond to the fires, not just contribute to them. You can, you can find the places where there's, there's soil now that can see the sunlight and start planting new trees. The greatest things are in front of us. They're not behind us. Our country has changed. and I know, I know, I know. But the kingdom hasn't. And the king's mandate stands. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And we're going to take this thing to an altitude where rats can't live. So, Father, I thank you for this day. It's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I would just simply say this to you. We're never going to end a service without saying this. If you came here today, like, I was just looking for hope, man. I, I, I see the good stuff that's going on, but I, no one's talked to me yet. Right now, I stop everything, and I talk to you right now, right here. God loves you. It's not a cliche. It's not a bumper sticker. It's not a T-shirt. It's a fact that has stood the test of time. Say, how do I know God loves me? Well, because you're watching on live stream right now. Because you're sitting in this room right now. God loves you. And I can prove it in other ways. I can prove it not just that you're hearing the good news of the gospel, but I can, I can prove it in the fact that 2,000 years ago when God stared at the vast expanse of eternity and he saw that your face, your heart, your stories, they were missing because sin had separated you from God. God did the most unimaginably generous, sacrificial, loving thing that has ever and will ever be done when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take on flesh, to live a perfect life, to defeat everything that ever defeated me and everything that ever defeated you. And now that he has victory over everything, never once sinning, tempted in every way we're tempted, yet never once fallen for the lie, never once letting his ego get the best of him, never once giving in to fear, never once. He defeated it all. Then he gives his life sacrificially on a cross, having committed no sin and certainly no earthly crime. In doing so, it's God's way of saying the payment has been made. That which is perfect has been given in place of that which is imperfect. And now we stand loved and justified by God. So what's lacking? This is going to seem odd, but there are no contracts. There, there is no, you must do these five things. There is no, you know, once you give all or once you sacrifice your life, or there, there's none of that. He's done everything. There's one thing left that remains. And it's, it's so wonderfully relational. It's called faith, but if I could use a synonym, it's just trust. Do you trust that who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what, what Jesus paid for you is more than enough to cover? And for you to say, you know, I, I, I don't know that. I don't, okay, hear me. Are you, are you literally saying that what you've done actually has more power than what he's done for you? I can't imagine that to be true. The God who created everything with words gives his son to take on flesh, live where we live, die where we should have died, and then extends to us a life that lasts forever, beginning in this moment. What he has done is infinitely greater than anything you've ever done. Do you trust him? Will you trust him today with your life, with your sins, with your eternity? If so, 
then today is your born-again birthday. Today is the day you give your life to Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for a simple act of obedience and faith. It's not for my benefit. I, I promise you it's not. I want to ask for the most simple example, the most simple, you know, display of faith. And that is for you to simply raise your hand in a room that has people with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. We're not doing this so men can see you. We're doing this so God can see you. This is for you. If today you're saying, God, I give you my life, take away my sins, I trust you. From this day forward, I'm not going to try to produce a righteousness of my own and just end up being self-righteous. I, I don't want a religion. I don't, I don't want methodologies. I want a relationship with who you are in my life. I need you. And I need you to begin this relationship by forgiving me for all the times I failed. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand all over this room. You ready? One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. The hands are going up. All of us see that hand. I see that hand and 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 that hand. <laughs> I see that hand. Father, I thank you that every uplifted hand is directly attached to an open heart saying, come on in. Come on in. Take away everything that doesn't belong and fill me with everything I was born to do. Let me not be like Moses saying I'm unqualified or like I have a jar of Crisco saying I don't have enough. I'm not enough. Let us not be like a donkey colt that goes, I've never been here before. Let me practice first. I pray for a life marked by adventure and obedience to your spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Book of Acts chapter 2 says, And the Lord added to their number daily those that are being saved. I don't know if you know this, guys, and I don't, I don't, this is not, I'm bragging on the goodness of God, not anything else. We're, we're about two or three people per day being added by salvation to the kingdom of God. That's, that's what God has been doing lately with stuff. So that's in this room. Same thing might be true. If you gave your life to Jesus today, you're like, I, I'm not there to raise my hand. Put the little hand emoji. Just click it up there. Just high five Jesus, you know, from where you are. Would you stand to your feet, please, and begin to gather your things with nobody leaving? Please don't leave. We have to do this in a very safe and cautious way. We're one day closer to just doing this recklessly. I, I long for the day where I just, like, take a drink out of a cup and we just pass it around the entire room. We all lick the lid and, you know, it's going to be awesome. We're almost there. So uh, that's a joke, but it's almost true. If that were the alternative, I'd take it. There are people who are assigned to different areas that are not going to help you get out. If you would, please take a project guide with you. Dina has that commitment card she talked about. Pray about it, and we'll see you again next week. They're going to dismiss you, but don't leave until you are dismissed. So everybody, take over now. If you're dismissing people, take over now. Take charge. Say, come this way. Use your outside voice. Use your command voice, and you are dismissed. God bless you. Vision Sunday. If your kids are in children's ministry, Please go get them. Of course, we went long today, and we have to sanitize the room for the next group. So please, please, please go get your children right away, and we will see you soon. Music starts.